to your keywords because I have shocking news. This Above the Fold podcast may actually be useful. Jeff and Francis welcome Chief Growth Officer for Vengage, Nadia Koja, as a guest in what I can only assume is a subtle way to get more insight into the jobs they already have. This is Above the Fold, and this episode has a shot at meeting your expectations, thanks to Nadia. Thanks, everyone. Welcome again to the Above the Fold podcast. As always, you have Jeff and Francis here to talk all things content marketing in the news, what's on our minds, and veering off topic whenever whenever we feel the need. Um, Jeff, this last weekend was uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Did you enjoy the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time? <laughs> I don't think anybody enjoyed that Super Bowl. Have you have you been following <laughs> it at all? Like actually, yeah, everyone. Actually, my favorite line, my favorite line on Twitter was, "People paid three thousand dollars for Maroon Five and one field goal." <laughs> that uh, was the extent yeah, of it. Yeah, I was I was surprised at how bad. I mean, I I never expect much from the halftime show to be honest, but that was particularly bad. And you don't even it's, yesterday. I mean, when there are perfect F, I, I want a perfect F, just kind of like the fire concert we talked about last week. <laughs> Sometimes they are. Like Katy Perry riding the giant dragon, that was hilarious. See, that was at least funny. Like, there was not, like, it was very bland, and I was just not, yeah, I just wasted, I, I ironed during it. I think I made lunch, you know? It was just, it was, I hated it. Um, I actually had to go online yesterday to rewatch the, uh, some old, like, I watched the Prince one, I watched Michael Jackson, I watched... The fiftieth oh, one. one. Yeah, that Prince was one's good. Great. The Prince that one's one great. was awesome. I still think you can control the weather. The fact that rain came down when he sang "Purple Rain." <laughs> I, I think no Prince can control that. anything. It That's reminds true. me. I, I, re, I rewatched that old Charlie Murphy skit. Remember that where he's playing yeah. basketball with him? <laughs> he kicks his ass at basketball and then makes some pancakes at like three in the morning. <laughs> I, I don't think I think that's real. I don't think that's fake at all. Um, yeah, Maroon Five doesn't anyway. even match up near to that. No, no, it's a shame. It's an absolute shame. Um, anyway, we uh, we experienced the Super Bowl. We survived. Patriots won. Boston's going crazy. Uh, the rest of the country, probably the world, hates us once again. But um, <laughs> That's good. I, well, yeah, just a little bit more context. I lived out in Boston last year, and when they lose the Super Bowl or when they lose any sporting event, the entire city goes into a mild depression for like three weeks. Everybody's grouchy. <laughs> so glad to hear that's not happening again. Yeah, no, we'll be well good for today, and uh, we'll be back to it once baseball season starts, and uh, it'll just be the same sort. Of, oh, they stink! It's never going to happen again, and uh, yeah, the whole cycle will repeat itself. Let's move on, Jeff. Exciting stuff for the podcast today. We have another guest. Can you introduce our guest? Yeah, we've got Nadia Koja from Vengage joining us. Nadia, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about, you're the chief growth officer at Vengage. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company and what you do with them. Yeah, so um, so Vengage is, uh, it's a design software, uh, an infographics tool. Um, and, and we've kind of transitioned a, a little bit away and outside of infographics recently. Um, and after talking to a lot of users, we we realized that what we're really trying to do here is help people, you know, take their ideas or these complicated ideas that they have and help them um, showcase those ideas to their audience and, and engage their audience that way by visualizing those concepts um, so that they're easier to understand and, and easier to get behind. Um, and as I, so I recently transitioned into the position of chief growth officer, but before I was heading marketing, 
um, mostly focusing on acquisition of users and, and new subscriptions. Um, but now the, the role is kind of, you know, a, a little bit more still overseeing marketing, but some leadership components to that, like training uh, the management team and also a little bit of uh, strategy, like long-term strategy for the product and the company as a whole. Yeah. So you guys actually offer uh, software as a service and consulting, right? Um, no, so we're, we're just software as a service. So it's, it's a tool. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and, but like on my own side, I also do consulting, uh, just whenever people reach out really. Gotcha. We'll definitely plug that one at the end. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you guys have been killing it in content marketing. Uh, I remember you shared something a couple of weeks ago on, on Twitter, showed your, uh, I think it was the organic traffic growth. What's going on with that? What are you doing? Um, yeah, so I guess, uh, I can give you a little bit of background first for when I, when I first joined Vengage, I was actually joined as the fourth employee at the company and the first marketer. Uh, and at the time there was really not much being done in terms of marketing. Like the, it had just kind of been the stagnant flat line for of over a year. Uh, and then I was just told to get links. So a lot of our focus went into, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. our homepage rank on a range of different keywords like infographics and infographic maker, infographic templates, that kind of thing. Right. Right. I got one of your uh, coworkers sending me a link request. Right now? I can vouch. I can vouch. I can vouch for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. See, he's, he's checking out my calendar and making sure it's all relevant and timed. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, we, we realized that um, we had kind of topped out that opportunity and we needed to diversify our, um, our SEO efforts and, and, branch out a bit. Initially, we were like, okay, let's like go after a new channel and try to optimize a new channel. And then I was thinking, you know, we're really good at organic. We finally figured it out. Why just stop doing that and move on to something new? Like, why don't we just double down on it and figure out how we can really optimize it? Um, so then we started putting a lot more focus in, in content and using that as a way to scale up. And um, we've seen really awesome results. And we've when I started, I think we were doing about 300 or 400 registrations a week. Now we're generating about 40,000 signups nice. to the site uh, nice. in a week. So, uh, and all of that is from organic. Yeah, seriously. When I say that they're killing it, I, I mean it. Guys, go to HRFs or, or SEM Rush and check out their organic traffic growth. It's like, was it like quadrupled in the last year or something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, just about. Yeah, so you wow. guys are doing it right. So our audience should really take a look at <clears throat> what they're doing on the blog because it's it's absolutely killing. Um, but I also want to talk about, I first saw you present at CM World uh, on a topic, um, 12 Principles for Viral Content. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you put together that list or well, what the list is and, and how you put it together. Yeah, um, I mean, that talk is kind of like one little piece of this bigger framework that I actually recently wrote about, um, which is, it kind of starts with the goal and what kind of goal you're trying to achieve with your content. And a lot of people are focusing on, you know, trying to figure out this one piece of content that's going to be that magical piece of content that's going to drive tons of traffic and boost their branding Mm -hmm. and domain authority, and then also drive all these conversions. Uh, but the reality is that that doesn't really happen. And by only trying to focus on that, you're actually you know, wasting your time or, or you're not going to get as much value as, as if you were to focus on each goal individually. So 
viral content was, you know, one of those goals. Um, and by creating content that was viral or at what we call editorial content in nature, um, was with the purpose of getting increasing our domain authority and driving high quality press backlinks to our sites. Um, so we started, you know, creating these principles around how we created our content, how we approached viral content, um, and we. I kind of narrowed it down to the things that worked best for us. Um, and so those 12 principles are just kind of like layers that you can add to your content creation process. And uh, eventually that will help you kind of guarantee these press links um, and these high quality backlinks that will in turn generate more natural links faster. I think what was um, compelling for me, sorry to jump in, Jeff, but when we went, no, we Go went, on. Through <laughs> when we went through these, um, Nadia, it was interesting to, from a creative standpoint, how it would ask these questions and kind of help write. I should be looking at, at this in a different way, or why didn't we think of combining, you know, different kind of stats with with something else to kind of make something um, to make something different and engaging. Um, it was nice to see that because you can you see other you know presentations or whatever about you know know your audience or you have to have the common goal and whatever and it's the same sort of refrain over and over again and to go through this um, presentation and see the questions or the principles um, presented um, was really inspiring for me. Yeah, it's 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 actionable. I'm I'm not kidding. We actually sat around in a room with the CEO in Seattle and went through your list and just like picked out some of our favorites um, and it's. It's not just for, you know, viral content. This is like really good topic ideation, any of these things. Um, I think maybe we need to give our audience a little bit of context. Can you give us an example of like one of those principles that is a surefire hit for you that you love? I guess one of my favorite ones to use is the mashup principle. Um, so that's kind mm. of the idea of, you know, you take two kind of opposite topics or seemingly opposing ideas uh, and you find like that one line that just connects those two things. And it's a good way to combine, you know, like content marketers are always talking about evergreen content, right? And this content mm -hmm. that's yeah. going to last forever online and never expires. But then that's only one side of it. So if you take this trending idea or this pop culture idea and kind of find a way to combine it with that topic, uh, it becomes a lot more appealing and relevant. So that's like one of my favorite ones to use because you can pretty much do it with anything. And one example is, you know, we took, um, we took a bunch of different tech companies and we sorted them into their <laughs> Hogwarts houses based on company culture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that one. That yeah. And, and that one ended up doing really well because it was, uh, this was at yeah. the time when like fantastic beasts was coming up. So we still maintained oh, yeah. it as this evergreen topic. Right. But it was uh, latching it was awesome. on to something trendy because we knew everyone was talking. So the search trends for Harry Potter and anything related to Harry Potter were suddenly going up. Right. Because of all the yeah. press around the movie. So we knew all these press sites were writing about Harry Potter or something along those lines, but they had already done it all with Fantastic Beasts, right? They weren't going to write another thing just about general information about Fantastic Beasts. So yeah. we were like, how can we like kind of hold on to this topic and, and leverage it? So by sorting all these companies in, we were able to share it with all the companies and then they got into it. And then internally, mm. those organizations would share the content so it, um, it, we got a lot of great feedback from that and a lot of, uh, and it was still relevant to our audience. Right. Yeah. Well, there's another similar one too. It was under the, uh, 
one of the principles was take a new perspective and it was comparing CEOs to athletes. So like you said, there's a, a matchup, a mashup of two completely different things and drawing a, a line between those. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was, I thought that was a great one. Yeah. And I mean, like people are always looking for patterns, right. And correlations in, in order to identify with the subject. Now you're speaking my language. You're teaching them. Like if you're trying to teach somebody about this new concept that they have no idea of, and you have nothing else to tie it back to that they are interested in, it's going to be a lot harder to really grasp that concept. So like, I know one thing that I did was when I was talking about SEO initially to, uh, in an article, I was tying it back to Lord of the Rings, right? To try and explain mm-hmm. to people we're not familiar with Google or SEO, you know, how Google works. And I'm like, if you think about it, like Google's like that all-seeing eye of Sauron, right? So if you <laughs> do something that's like, you know, you do some black hat SEO technique, it's like putting on the ring and then you're going to call the attention. <laughs> Don't do that. Like, don't that's clever. Uh, I love that. I love it. Um, I love how nerd culture is helping um, bridge <laughs> the understanding between SEO and everything else. Yeah, both of the <laughs> examples I just gave. <laughs> that's actually, hey, Francis. So, that's what we've been talking about since we started this podcast. We need to come up with something so that our parents understand what it is that we do. That might be the key. That's true. Yeah. I will have to find something that both I like it. It'll have to be even more generic or something because I don't know. They're, they're not going to not going to know no Lord of the Rings or Hogwarts. But, when um, out Star Wars, I feel like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Every yeah. generation. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. My dad might be able to grasp that. Um, what is the um, creative process like though, Nadia, when you're, I mean, these, these are great. And when you look at the finished examples, it's, um, it's almost like, wow, that's amazing. I wish we could do stuff like that. But I have to imagine even the debates regarding, you know, which culture was in which, you know, um, uh, Hogwarts, <laughs> Hogwarts house um, was pretty intense. I mean, how does how does the creative process work over, over there with you guys? So uh, it really it really depends on a number of factors. And like, I'll be honest, not every single piece that we put together works as we expected it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, one, as long as we're always like thinking about our users and their interests, and we also try to reach out to um, some of the writers or like reporters in our network to just ask them and, and get an idea from them, like, hey, is this something that you might write about? Uh, yeah. Because you can, you can do your research, right? And you can see what people are already writing about and what, where the trends are to kind of validate whether or not your idea is even worth going after. Um, but in terms of like the actual execution and how we're going to, how we're going to produce something. Now we've got enough data and enough understanding to see what's performed well, what has, what gains more links, what has, gets higher traffic, better, um, better time on page, anything like that uh, to validate it. But in the past, something like the Harry Potter one, for instance, um, we actually created a quiz and we, I think we reached out to some of those companies to ask them to, Uh, initially and told them that we were doing this for uh, for an article. Um, so stuff like that, or like our Game of Thrones one, which was like a, a mind map of <laughs> the, all the betrayals. The web of law. Yeah, the web of betrayals. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. I've got that here on my list. That thing was awesome. Yeah. So we have like a bunch of people who are obsessed with Game of Thrones, right? And part of their pain point, like if you still approach the content you're creating as the way you would approach product um, or user experiences, there's always a pain point, right? And for Game of Thrones, the pain point was I can't keep up with all the characters and like what's happening. How do I know how to, for the next season that's coming up, like, like where do I start? 
So that yeah. was the idea. And so we were like, let's manually go through every single season and figure out which betrayals happen and create this mind map. And people loved it. Like we had emails from a bunch of users saying, you know, I printed this out so I can watch the- <laughs> up with it. And then we had like George Takei ended up sharing it. Um, and it got featured on a bunch of sites and the Wall Street Journal ended up reaching out to us asking if they could publish it as well. Um, and so when you, when you get like that one that really sticks and you get it featured on one site, it kind of creates like this compound effect, right? And everybody else starts reaching out to you. So a, a question that we always get asked is that Game of Thrones infographics awesome. But if I brought that up to a client and say, all right, <laughs> Uh, pretend they do industrial Ethernet cables, like probably the most boring thing that you could possibly think about in the entire world. How do I come up with anything interesting to talk about that isn't painfully boring? I mean, there's always a way to think outside the box, right? And and one of the examples I always tie back to is in, in my theater program. So I was in a program called Devise Theater. And the whole premise of that was like, you know, you have to create a show collaboratively from the ground up. And instead of just like, our direction was go make a show, but then they would give us a list of limitations. So they, they were like, mm. but you have to include these things in it, or you cannot include these things in it. Mm. And that makes you have to think a lot more creatively, right? Because suddenly you're like, how the hell am I going to write um, like a, a dr- dramatic scene where someone's getting yeah. married, but there has to be a kiss in it. Like that doesn't make sense, but you have to figure out a way to work that in. Um, yeah. So I would say that's kind of the same way to approach it. So if you're talking about industrial Ethernet cables, hey, here are like 20 things that you never realized you could do with industrial Ethernet cables, <laughs> like that for like home decor or I don't know, right? <laughs> like all these other things, redefine what that thing is for. And even yeah. though the goal, maybe that's not what you want your users to use it as, um, you, you do want people to start talking about the subject and writing about it, right? That's the whole purpose of creating viral content. Exactly. I mean, you do have to entertain them for them to talk about it. Uh, that brings me to my next point. One of the principles you have in here is go outside your immediate field. An example is HubSpot. They do a really good job of that. Um, that's terrifying for clients to go out. And sometimes they're so rigid on on what they want to create and how they think they should be reaching their audience that it's almost impossible to even have that conversation. Like the idea of a Game of Thrones infographics infographic would get me fired sometimes, you know? So how do you have that conversation in such a way where you tell them, hey, look, we need to come up with something fun, something funny, and it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Um, No, I I understand. Like I get a lot of even like people that reach out to me who want to work with me. They're like, hey, um, here's my problem and here's what I'm trying to achieve. And then the second I tell them that what they're doing is not working and here's how I would approach it, they're suddenly really opposed to working with me. Uh, okay, well, I've, I can relate. <laughs> no results. That's fine with me, but, um, but I, you know, I still want to make that money. So, uh, but I don't, that's like, that's a tricky question. And I find one of the things I always try to tell my team is if you can't convince somebody to do something, prove it first and then show them the results. Um, so that's one thing I used to do all the time, right? Before I couldn't, before I couldn't, get buy-in from our CEO, I would just run it as a test on my own site or like do something a little bit crazy to see Mm -hmm. what the results were. And then I would say, Hey, look, I did this thing and it worked. And then he'd be like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like, let's do it for Vengage too. Uh, And now he doesn't really question anything. So (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, what you, what you said before about, um, 
I think it was the Game of Thrones one where you, or no, the uh, the Hogwarts one where you sent out the survey or the quiz. Um, getting that buy-in, getting that data, I think is it's part of it. And as you're talking, I'm realizing because I've had those same conversations with clients that Jeff is talking about, where we we come up with something fun, and it turns into this thing. Like it would be so cool if, and you know, you mentioned the pop culture tie-in and when how it would you know uh, be be wrapped up in their industry, but there's nothing else around it. You know, we're not really pitching, you know, how it's supposed to relate to their audience or how it might um, engage with their audience in a different way and why that's important. Because if you do that, it gets them to look at the next blog or the next video or the next infographic that you'll put out there. Um, I think we're pitching it wrong. I think we're going we're focusing too much on the creative. Funny enough, Jeff, you'll like this and not having too much of the data or at least some sort of validation in it. Says, <laughs> not only that, is this creative. Yeah. All right. Calm down. He is terrified of graphs and charts and everything with a number in it. Terrified. I'm not terrified. I'm Absolutely not terrified. terrified. <laughs> no, I live with spreadsheets every day. Every day. Um, oh, all, right. all I'm saying is we're pitching Reflect. wrong. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, and I think the mistake a lot of people make is they forget about their user and they they just try yeah. to internalize everything as like, well, what would I want? Right. But you mm. you're not writing for you. You're writing for your audience and you kind of need to figure out a way or figure out that fine line that's going to appeal to them. Um, but also educate them so that they can like walk away and actually gain value from whatever content you're putting together. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of people forget about that. So if your audience is not interested in the creative idea, find out what they want and then find out a way to, you know, add that layer to whatever it is that they're asking for. So it, maybe if we can make this actionable to the audience, because this happens so often where it's they have a hard time coming up with topics. Um, what would you say would be the first thing they should do if they're just stuck in a rut, can't come up with any topics and have just like exhausted all of their techniques? Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, like that that's a, another conversation about what your goal is. Right. And for us, because we're focusing so much on organic traffic, we know we need to drive traffic and we know, or like one of the things I've always been opposed to is writing something without understanding the research behind it. Cause what's the point? Um, if you're not trying to target a certain keyword or trying to target a certain demographic, you're just, you're writing for nobody, right? You might as well just have a journal at home. Um, so I always start with keyword research and then you can kind of use that to build lists of ideas or topics or themes to write about, um, from that research. So let's say, you know, I want to write about design and I'm like, oh, what article should I write about now? Um, what I think about, okay, if design is the main category, what are the subcategories that make up design? Like what are all the components that are required within design? And then if you start mind mapping that, you have things like mm-hmm. typography or color schemes um, or font pairings, right? And then within that, so within the realm of typography, uh, what else can we talk about? So like I said, font pairings, right? Would fall under typography. Um, and then like script typography or script fonts or cursive or whatever. And then suddenly I can think of all of these ideas um, and jump into the like five, like the who, what, where, why, uh, if you think about it, right? So it's just like, what is typography? Um, and mm-hmm. then building upon that. So what are all the components of typography that I want to educate somebody about? And then if I think about the editorial side of it, or, you know, something that's going to drive a lot of traffic, um, then I can start coming up with all of these other ideas and just building upon that root category. 
Um, yeah. So that's one process that works really well for us. And it's at least validated that people are searching for those topics. When you're coming up with these, are you just jotting down notes in a notebook or are you using a tool to find some of these topic ideas, some of these keyword ideas? So we'll like, we'll use, we'll use a spreadsheet. Like I have a, actually have a template that I use. Um, so mm. I can send you guys the link to that. Um, but we'll, we'll start with a template and, and we know generally what ideas we're writing about. So I'll give you an example of, of my website, right? So I know that I want to be build recently. I've been working on creating content around the topic of, you know, content marketing and growth marketing, as mm-hmm. well as leadership and management best practices. So I know those are the main like areas of authority I want to be known for. So then I'll think I'll start doing research around those topics. So I'll do keyword research on yes, big terms like leadership, but I know that's such a vague and massive keyword that I'm probably not mm-hmm. going to just rank for that with one article, right? But instead I want to create like a realm of content that encompasses this topic of leadership. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll yeah. start looking um, a little bit more narrow. So what makes up leadership? Again, if we're looking at these subcategories, we have things like management or productivity um, or hiring and interviewing and anything that would fit in with that realm of leadership. So I'll do keyword research on that and I'll find you know the, the, the bigger volume keywords, but also look at a lot of the long tail keywords uh, that match with those topics. So something like, you know, good people management skills is super, super long tail, but it still ties in and is still relevant. Um, and then I'll kind of use that to guide it. And then I'll also think about, you know, what is something I wish I knew before I started? Mm-hmm. And I'll use that to write um, the actual skeleton, but it's always focused on that keyword. So now I know at least I'm optimizing my content to rank on all these things, but I'm still addressing a problem that I wanted to answer. And also like people have reached out and told me, you know, like I, I have questions about this or people I talk to are always like, I'm confused about this one thing. And if I know the answer, I'll just write about it. Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. I think you just took us both to school um, and proven that we're bad at our jobs. I think that's exactly what just happened here. <laughs> oh, I think that was, I think that was abundantly clear before we even got on the phone today. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, I did want to note that it started with uh, started with my side, Francis, numbers, uh, and then it goes to your side. So, just uh, check the scoreboard, and should we move on? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. I think so. Let's move on to the second thing. <laughs> One of the other things we wanted to talk about, um, kind of putting some of the principles of the viral content um, idea into practice. Um, and wh- I guess, I don't know which, I don't know the principles as well as maybe Jeff does at this point, but the idea of, um, of doing something a little different, trying to engage an existing audience. One of the, um, one of the things Jeff and I pulled was the uh, recent Gillette ad uh, that came out. Um, uh, basically, their tagline is the best the man can get. Um, but they somewhat repurposed it, you know, uh, in the, within the me too sort of conversation as to, according to them, the best the man can get is standing up for certain principles, standing up for, um, you know, what they believe now is the, is a new way forward. Um, the ad kind of went both ways. Some people loved it. It was polarizing. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Um, I guess some people shrugged too, but for the most part, there were these, you know, true uh, emotional kind of um, elements that, that came with it. Um, my first question is, you know, is this good or bad? At the very least, we're talking about Gillette. For better or for worse, it's an established brand. 
it's been somewhat losing market space because of uh, you know other other smaller companies coming up selling selling razors, and suddenly we're now talking about Gillette. But is it a good thing that we're talking about Gillette in the sense that this ad may not have been great, may not have landed well? Um, how does this how does this deal with their perception? How do they how do they look after this? Yeah, that's a that's that's an interesting question because for a big brand who's already very well known bad press is bad press, right? Um, I don't know who imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then for a small company that nobody is talking about, bad press is not so bad because now people are talking about you and at least some people, some new people might start seeing the benefits um, of your mm-hmm. brand. That's at least how awesome. I see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I would add to that point probably in that um, established brands, you, you already know that they're existing to make a profit. You know what they're... Uh, their storyline was their origination story, right? So if you know Gillette was there to make razors and to make money, and then all of a sudden they jump into politics, it almost feels contrived. Whereas you're talking about a new company, if they start out with these types of statements and this type of ideology, and they even build their entire company around that ideology, then that feels more real, right? Yeah. And you have to kind of look at who your competition is too, right? Like Dollar Shave Club is one of the people that's kind of like slowly taking... Uh, knocking Gillette out, I would say. And the part of the reason is because they're doing such a good job of targeting women now, right? Like it started as this, this brand for men. And now they're like, why men's razors are better to shave your legs Um, (laughs) and they're cheaper. Right. So like women are thinking about that, but yeah, if you, if you go after an angle, that's completely outside of that, obviously you don't want to copy that person entirely, but um, but you also don't want to offend the general public. Unless, well, it's, unless, it's, unless it's true, like unless you can yeah. prove it, then don't just make a, take a crazy opinion that's going to offend a bunch of people. No, that's fair. Um, I guess with, with the 12 principles in mind though, is, is there, are there limitations to a bigger brand like Gillette um, where they can't, you know, re-engage an audience with something different? Or is this, is this mainly because it was political or it has political, you know, leanings that it was likely kind of problematic to begin with i don't i don't know right like i haven't uh (laughs) i haven't really talked to too many big big brands like most of what we do is b2c yeah Um, and i i we haven't really talked to a lot of big brands so i i mean i i I would say yeah and i would say just don't do something that's (laughs) stupid (laughs) yeah or anything close to being political or anything um like pepsi Pepsi. I don't know why you're doing what don't you don't. You do something <laughs> political unless you're super objective about it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and definitely don't try to sell your own products with something political like Pepsi did. Ooh. I mean that was that was that was pretty bad. The other the other side of this, and it's something um, when Jeff and I were prepping, I had mentioned, um, and it's funny because we said the same thing. The uh, with a smaller, uh, you know, up and coming kind of uh, brand. If the, if the beliefs are there, if the core beliefs are there, it's easier to kind of push forward with that, with any kind of advertisement or statement. And the thing that came to mind was um, Third Love uh, back in November when they took out that ad in New York Times and pretty much took Victoria's Secret to task. Um, basically, how drawing the line and kind of calling Victoria's Secret out on, on certain things that they were doing. And, um, and I know because my wife gets uh, the Third Love bras and... She already liked them anyway, but that when that ad came out, she was like full in. It's like, oh man, they're awesome. I'm into this brand now for life. 
and screw Victoria's Secret. She was already saying that anyway. But um, it's interesting. <laughs> they're showing, they're showcasing women in a positive light, right? Rather yeah. than being like, this is what a woman has to look like. Uh, and this is like what beauty is. So. And Nadia, that goes back to your original point. Like this is, this is how they started, right? This is like, this was their original message. It's not like they were something completely different. And then everyone just saw them shift based on the culture. And then we're like, meh, you know, this was, this is their ideology. Exactly. And you have to double down on what you're already doing. So that's why I like, I'll bring it back to knowing who your user is and knowing who your audience Mm -hmm. is. Bigger brands have access to way more data and way more opportunity to actually talk to those users. So, you know, if you're creating something political because you know your user is on one side um, of that spectrum Mm. and you're just trying to target that person and narrow the scope, then sure. Like if that's going to, if in the long run, it's going to help you. But if you don't understand your user and you're just trying to do this like crazy thing, it's probably not going to work unless you have a very good idea of um, how you're targeting it towards them. Yeah, it's almost impressive because you know that there was a boardroom of people that sat around and watched that commercial and <laughs> scripted it up and and nobody raised their hand and said, um, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, where's where's the pessimist in the room? Who Like, look at who makes up the boardrooms at a lot of these big companies, right? They're not- yeah, the I was going to say point. the same thing, yeah. <laughs> good, good point, good point. They're not, not exactly in touch with the, the masses, that's for sure. In the end, though, I think I mean, you, uh, the genuine, the, the fact that it feels from that core belief, it th- does come across as more genuine. And I think that's what that's what smaller brands have. They, they can do that. And it's 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 something that's true. How that grows, it'll be interesting to actually see, you know, if I mean, for example, if Third Love turns into Gillette, you know, decades from now, what does that mean? You know, is it constantly the same? It could be. Um one of the things, uh, the other brands I, I looked at was uh, Pantagonia, who, you know, outdoorsy, you know, they have a very, very singular focus and vision. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it lands so well every time. You know, the fact that they are, uh, they constantly want to make the world a better place. Everything they do is focused on that. Their CEO donated money based on sales from a black, I mean, it was, everything is like on, not only on brand for them, but like on message, which is very impressive. And I wonder if that's the that's kind of the blueprint. And in many ways, things like Gillette or even Pepsi kind of fade into the background. And I wonder what happens to them in the future. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point, because one of the things where like I've been looking at a lot as we've been working on our long term strategy is like this idea of mission and aspiration and what really is like Mm -hmm. a mission that you can create that not only will the company and the employees get behind, but that other people can really latch on to. And if the employees aren't really excited by it. Chances are it's going to be hard to relay that to the general public. And and then we're looking at some companies and you can really tell which ones are actually fully encompassing and embodying their mission and aspiration because you can see it in like all the way down to um, their individual retailers, right? And like how each person yeah. at that company is actually interacting with customers and, and things like that. So I think... Patagonia is a good example of a company that really is behind their mission. And you can see that with everything that they do. That's, that's so true. And I think it's, it's hard. I mean, I, we've talked to clients about this before, but in the end, the clients have to be, they kind of have to be naked in front of everybody. You know, they can't have the walls up. They have to be honest and they have to kind of realize who they are. And a lot of them don't, you know, just even trying to figure that out from day one, 
I mean, when you look at certain websites and there's no mission statement or even about us or something that someone can grab onto, you already know it's going to be trouble. My first question is, well, who are you guys? What do you what do you care about? How do you walk away from the content? Um, and that can be hard. I don't know if there's a silver bullet to figure that out for any kind of brand. I think I think you just need a lot of meditation and um, and maybe scotch. I don't know. Something like that would help just to kind of open up oh, the mind. Definitely. Definitely scotch. <laughs> Jeff just woke yeah. up. What scotch? Is scotch here? Hey, hey, hey. I'm back in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, that reminds me. Nadia, tell me, what is drunk? What is drunken entrepreneurs? Drunk entrepreneurs was an idea that I came up with when I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty much all it is. I just get drunk and talk about marketing um, when I am not too drunk that I can't operate the camera. <laughs> that's a fine line. I have to imagine that's a fine line. Well, that's why oh, I don't um, have very many videos. Really <laughs> it doesn't sound very sustainable. Probably, probably a little bit difficult to pull off regularly. The idea is better in theory than in execution. And that's one thing you learn from testing things, right? It's like good <laughs> idea just isn't going to work. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh, next time. Yeah, I mean, next time. <laughs> But uh, no, I've, well, been, Jeff, I've been getting a lot of messages lately from people and like the subscriber count is going up and just comments on the videos are like, where's the next video? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know it might not be sustainable, but it's a damn good idea. When I first saw that link, it's like, fuck yes, <laughs> I want to do that. I'm actually planning on doing a lot more videos in the next few weeks when I get back from Guam. Oh, well, that'll be exciting. That'll be exciting. I know Jeff and I have always jokingly talked about having a scotch episode where, um, and the idea was that we don't just start drinking. We would, we would have a drink in and then once the scotch took over, then start trying to talk. But yeah, because we're in different cities, um, (laughs) you have to already, right. That's the key. Actually, that's, that's going to be the name of it is one drink in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whatever, whenever we come up with the segment. Uh, well, we haven't done it yet. I think we have to be physically in the same place because if we do it over the phone, even with a video chat, that just feels wrong. I don't. I, I we haven't we tried can, it, I, I guess. But there's something <laughs> there's something nice about like having the in person engagement and seeing yeah. how people interact when they're both sitting there drunk on the <laughs> in front of them. It's a challenge, but I'm working on figuring out how to master it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, good luck. We'll definitely be, uh, be, uh, be tapping your brain for any kind of advice. Uh, cause we still want to do that too, but, uh, I don't think we're up to that level yet. Uh, or I'll be dead from alcohol poisoning. So <laughs> work on that oh boy. Uh, all right, Jeff, should we move on to number three? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump. Nadia, you're going to be, you do quite a bit of speaking and traveling. Um, going to be going to search love in San Diego in early March and then Stockholm to web to Garna. How'd I do there? Web, yeah. web to Garna. I think that's correct. Yeah. The whole awesome. website's in Swedish, so I don't really understand any of yes, that. Lots of J's too way too many vowels. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you, what do you like, what do you get out of it personally and professionally doing all this speaking? Um, so the speaking actually started out as a, as a experiment or a hypothesis, um, where, you know, the idea was initially when I started speaking at conferences, it was for networking. And 
as an attendee to conferences, I found I'm like, okay, I'm getting some value from attending, but the real value is, you know, meeting the people that are doing the thing that I want to be doing um, and who are doing it really well. And in a lot of cases, those were the speakers. And then, you know, the speakers not only get to, at the very least, attend the conference for free, but you get these speaker dinners where you can actually get, like, have an opportunity to talk to people. So that was initially where it was. I was just like, okay, let me just like get in a room with these people so I can meet them. And then yeah. after that, um, our CEO was asking, um, I'm just going to wait for that siren to stop. Yeah, that's in Boston. I apologize. It's probably from the, oh, from the Patriots. I'm, it's not, I'm Jesus. sorry. The fans get are probably yourself doing... together, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so after after you know getting the value of networking from those conferences, uh, my CEO asked or kind of told me. He said, you know, can you try and speak at like ten events this year, um, and let's see if that has any impact on branding, um, and if there's any ROI from that or like mm. what we can gain. So last year I, I did that. I spoke at ten events, and we could see the the events where I like where I did a group of them around the same time. There was a little bit more of a spike in our branded searches. Um, so we're not entirely sure if like that's exactly because of the conferences, but um, it has been beneficial in other ways too. So like if my team is doing outreach and, and you're actually a great example, right? Like you got an email from somebody on my team, chances mm-hmm. are you see Vengage, you're like, oh, well, I'm talking to Nadia today. Like, yeah, all right, maybe I'll answer, right? Or at least I'll bring it up. Um, so there's more of that influence or authority there that I mentioned I like I didn't really have when I was just starting out. Right. Uh, but people are at least more likely to say, okay, at least I know who that is. Like, even if I've seen the name around before, I'm more likely to engage with that brand than maybe right. three years ago where people are like, I don't know what this is. It could be anything, right? Um, so now if they... So yeah, it's, it's just like tying it back to Vengage, but also like I get a lot of clients out of it. Yeah. So for like the everyday Susan marketer that works for a company, middle marketer, um, would you recommend to them trying to get into speaking engagements? Would that be beneficial for their company as like an initiative? I think so, because especially some of the bigger conferences that, you know, you may not gain as much from attending the talks, but like a conference that has a huge audience and has a lot of budget in, in you know promoting that event, they're promoting your name too because people are checking out the speaker page, right? And I've got like I'll I'll notice people following me on Twitter, people adding me on LinkedIn um, from various right. locations because they're looking at that conference and they're like, oh, I want to gotcha. check out this company. What was I going to ask? Good lord, I think my brain just went blank. I think you're still talking <laughs> Don't about work. scotch. I mentioned scotch, and now that's still on your mind. I think that's what's he, going on. He actually on. just started Don't. pouring himself some scotch. You're right. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Is my webcam on? <laughs> Shit. Uh, no, I, I think I meant to put tape what? over that. Oh no. I okay. So. <laughs> All right. Um. Right. So if you, uh, I, I got the same mandate like uh, a couple months ago. It was go speak at like ten conferences, and got accepted to speak at one. Okay, so for the person starting out, <laughs> what do you recommend for your pitches and getting into these? Because I think once you get in, like it, it's helpful. You can get into a lot more, but it's kind of like the you need experience to get a job, but you don't have experience to get the job kind of yeah, situation. It's actually, it's actually funny because I did um I did a comedy talk, kind of nice. to jump off on your notes. So I noticed this conference had a comedy marketing segment, uh, and I've always been interested in comedy, but I haven't like done stand up before. 
So mm-hmm. I decided to just pitch a talk for that because I thought, you know, it, I just have to write, I just have to speak <laughs> about marketing. And I just have to make it funny. That was what I understood from it. Um, okay. So I pitched something and then the guy reached out. He's like, hey, I didn't even realize that you did stand up. And I was just like, yeah, right? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> sure. And he's like, okay, great. Like, do you have any videos? I'm uh, like, oh, you know, like I haven't recorded any yet. And just, Drunk Entrepreneurs wasn't live yet? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that would have been a good reference. Yeah, I guess. So. Well, I had like another talk. I'm like, well, here's a talk I did and people were laughing. So that's <laughs> kind of what you're asking good me enough. right now. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, okay, sure. And then I did it. And then I realized it wasn't necessarily comedy marketing in the sense of it has to be funny, but it was like how to use comedy in your marketing. That was what it was oh. supposed to be. So I actually uh. created a talk that had nothing to do with comedy in your marketing. <laughs> But it was funny. So, um, so it's actually about how to growth hack your influence, though, which is what I'm getting uh-huh. at. And a lot of that was how do you get speaking gigs and how do you like, like, what do you do in order to, you know, growth hack all these like buzz words and build your influence. Uh, but one of the things I did was um, I referenced, you know, buying speakers drinks um, because you know, <laughs> when they're when they're drunk, they're less Ooh, likely to make rational decisions and they're more likely to get <laughs> phone numbers and actually help you out when you ask. <laughs> See, Francis, I need to be smarter and funnier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Drink more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a slow burn. Been working on it 34 years. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the general theme of this conversation. Just like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was going to veer this way anyway. I mean, the fact that the second we saw drunk entrepreneurs, I knew it was going to end this way. So I'm, I, the fact that we're all sober is the worst. I'm part so glad it did too. So glad. <laughs> <it did. laughs> uh, just to bring it back a little bit. Um, I, Nadja, I think what you said about the fact that, you know, you went all these talks and you ended, actually ended up getting new clients. I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest things that it's harder to kind of explain because I know that, I mean, there's a time commitment here. Not only that, but there's prep commitment. And the fact there's the potential to gain new clients off of this, I think it's worth the risk. I mean, the fact that you get that much attention and exposure and getting even the brand out there, I can tell you in the early years of and we did not market ourselves well or even at all. And I, I know that's changing now, thanks to Jeff. But um, I do think just being a, having that potential to have not that? only the attention, did you, but... I oh, did you hear that, Nadia? Yeah, I, I must, think Francis I just thanked me. <laughs> that's You're recorded. Right. Maybe I am drunk. That is recorded. Maybe I am drunk. Damn it. Damn oh, you. My, my little heart is so warm right now. <laughs> All anyway, I was sorry. saying is that I yeah, think it's yeah. it's important that the fact that there's a potential to get new clients. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I never went into speaking in the hopes of getting clients. I actually just people yeah. just started asking me, like, "Hey, do you do consulting?" And I was just mm. like, "No, I don't want to." Right? And <laughs> for a long time, I was just like, "No." And then people were like, "Oh, we'll give you some money," and I was like, "Wait, what? Like, y'all will give Ooh. me money to talk to me?" It really changes the conversation. And then, yeah, exactly. I mean, I have no dignity, so. (laughs) You're in good company. Uh, Very good company. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gain anything Um, from this, it is that I will take your money. (laughs) But I can't promise to offer you anything in return. (laughs) That should be on your LinkedIn. That should be your objective on LinkedIn now. Just uh, just change that whole thing. It's actually on my consulting page now. <laughs> I think it specifically says like 
you need to struggle. <laughs> like you need to speak to someone who's smarter and more experienced than you. Lucky for you. <laughs> and all it will cost you is money. So. Well, I'll be, I'll be damned honest. if she doesn't set I'll expectations the right way. Yeah. It has yeah, a exactly. very low conversion rate on that. <laughs> all right, Jeff, it's time to wrap this up with the, uh, with your questions here. Okay. Quick segment. We're going to rapid fire like five or six questions at you. Stupid questions, unimportant questions. And they're starting with what is your favorite cocktail? Boulevardier. <gasps> That's my favorite cocktail. Good answer. Okay. Uh, favorite type of dog? Scooby. That's my dog. Scooby? I, don't I don't know what wow. he is, his name is. Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's like a weird chihuahua. So- Shih Tzu thing. So mutt. It's mutt, basically. All right. <laughs> we'll go with mutt. How do you take your coffee? Black. There, there. Hard tacos or soft tacos? Soft. Ooh, that was a tough one. Okay. Um, what was the last song that you listened to on your phone? Um, like Be by honest. choice or that because it just was nope. Whatever was playing. Oh, it's a song called Gummy by Brockhampton. And I pulled out my headphones and I forgot that the sound was on. And it just started nice. screaming out the N word and I felt really embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, I don't think we can ever get a better this, answer than no, that, Jeff. We have to retire it. that question now. <laughs> we have to retire the podcast. We don't go any further now. That's it. <laughs> You're right. I Our can't goal think of a better complete. way to close this we thing. We did it. We did it. <laughs> it was eerily silent in the office, too. So that was like the only word resonating through. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, was that was that it, Joe? Was that the last question? <laughs> that, that was, it has to be the last question. Yeah, right. Yeah. We should, there can't all be questions are gone. All questions are gone. Um, Nadia, thank you. This was great. Um, I don't think I've laughed and cried this much in a while. And um, thank you for taking the time to talk to, to, to put up with Jeff and I and our badgering of, uh, of questions and learning more about what you do and about content marketing in general. I know I'm walking away with a lot more from this conversation. I hope our audience does too. Yeah, oddly enough, this is one of the conversations that we've had where the guests or actually the uh, audience learned something, I think. The, the original intent of the podcast was to teach the audience things, but this might be one of the few where they actually did learn something. So we appreciate you helping us out with that. <laughs> of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, and if you want to learn more, uh, your site is thisisnadia.com. Is that right? Yep. Great. Um, they'll learn about more speaking engagements that you have this year and a little bit more about you. So thank you again, Nadia, and um, uh, best of luck t- uh, to uh, to all the speaking engagements in the future. And um, who knows, maybe in the future we'll have you back on, uh, maybe with some alcohol. If that ever happens, our, our dream could come true. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nadia. All right. Take See care. you, everybody. All right. Bye-bye.